Welcome to the Geek Geek Podcast, where we have a good game and a bad game this week. I'm Void. I'm here with my co-host, Beige. But you have no idea which one is which until the end. Uh, you'll find out very quickly. Today we're talking yeah, it's very quick. about uh, Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart and also Dark Alliance, because you and I both have thoughts about both of these games. And yeah, I want to just dive into them because these were going to be geekery. And then we were adding notes and I was like, oh, there's enough here. This should just be our main topic. Yeah, we've been actually playing. I've been trying to play more games and uh, Dark Alliance is one that I've been looking forward to uh, for a long while and had it pre-ordered for a good long time. So it was uh, good to know that uh, you've played it. I've played it. And then I watched Austin play a bunch of it while we were in Florida last week. Yeah. And so let's start with that one, because this is our bad game. Um, Not to spoil it, but let's just be honest. So this game is rough. Like and normally we wouldn't talk about a game that we're not loving but it's very interesting because this ties into like their summer of D&D. Um I think you and I were both excited for it and they just re-released mm-hmm. um the other like older Dark Alliance game that you were really enjoying and so yep. we both played it. We both gave it a real chance and we wanted to like it. So it it's interesting to talk about this one. We're not going to like beat on it too long here, but I did want to talk about it. So it's rough, right? Like it's a really yeah. rough and it's not like it's it's not like it's rough in terms of graphics or anything like that. It is a beautiful smooth game and for the hours that I've played of it, I haven't run into any of the game breaking bugs that other people have. But it it feels rough. The systems feel like they're just not polished quite enough. Yeah, it plays like a PS2 era game, which is really weird in modern times. And I know it's not quite that bad, but that was just my first impression when I picked up the controller. Like, it doesn't control right. Like, it doesn't control like a modern game should. Um, You know, it has that hack and slash feel from... It reminds me of some of those, like, Lord of the Rings type games that were just like hack and slash on PS2 that I loved at the time. Like, at the time, they were great. But against modern standards, they just, like, don't hold up. And I can understand them doing that, and it might even be purposeful because, you know, the original Dark Alliance games were on the PS2 and the Xbox as well. But, like, that was the generation they're, they're like, referencing doing this. But it's just the controls are – the controls aren't aren't loose, but – and, like, it controls well enough, but it there's not any kind of finesse for a game that's this hard – it's not nearly as tight as they should be. And the animations get in the way of your character far too often. Yeah. And it it just feels like the game feel isn't quite there, you know, and you can see Mm -hmm. what they're going for, which is one of the reasons I wanted to talk about the game, despite kind of bouncing off of it is because there are things there that I'm like, Oh, I wish I could latch onto that because it looks like it could be so interesting, but the moment to moment game feel just isn't doing it for me. And it's like, if they had just had like six more months of polish, I feel like they might've gotten there. You know, that's probably true. Uh, it, Feels like we might actually get that extra six months of polish since they've already announced that they're going to do different free content updates and patches that they had announced that stuff long before the game had even released. So it's not even just the DLC stuff, but they've announced level packs and stuff like that, which seems like they had to push out a game for whatever reason to make the calendar. And then by Christmas, we're probably going to have a fairly enjoyable game, but it's going to be in the bargain bin by then. 
Yeah, and I don't know if it will be because usually after you push out the game, it's like once it's launched in the world, um, the core game feel doesn't really change unless it's like a live service game that's going to live for years and years. And it feels like the core game is what it is and the content packs are going to be like classes and uh, dungeons and things like that. But if your moment to moment isn't there, it's still not going to draw people back. They're really the moment to moment is fun for short periods of time. And that's really the problem with the game is that I have really good times for about 15 or 20 minutes. The problem is that there are no save points in the middle of a dungeon. And that alone is is a problem. Like if you die, you go back to a checkpoint, but you have to finish the entire level before you can go back to the hub or you lose all of your progress and items and everything if you quit. And the levels are too long. The levels are easily three to four times too long for the way that the system is set up. And I know that they said they want it to be a hard game, but there's a difference in being hard and some and there's a difference in being hard and punishing and then poorly designed. And this one borders on the poorly designed because they're putting arbitrary difficulty as opposed to like Dark Souls or something like that that is just legitimately challenging. Well, and the difficulty is weird. The difficulty is like part of the time you feel like it's hard because you're fighting against the controls, and that's not a good kind of difficulty. Mm-mm. And then another part of the time it feels like it's hard because it the game doesn't message what's going on around you, and suddenly you just die. And like yep. that's the most frustrating part of this whole game is like all of the melee classes that I tried, which is three out of the four. There's only one ranged mm. class in the game. All the melee classes feel like if you do get on a roll, if you start like kind of getting into the zone suddenly you'll just die and you won't know why like you know think about how much work mmos do to show you like you're gonna stand in the fire as you've said so many times over the years or like don't stand on this spot or do stand (laughs) on that spot over there or like um you know just kind of like messaging to the player where attacks are coming what kind of attacks when you want to avoid when you want to you know react to it and this game just doesn't do that well at all and like the very first level, right? You get in and it's ice, so there are spikes of ice on the ground. And if you you see a treasure chest, if you try to go over the ice, you get slowed and and take a lot of damage depending on your difficulty. And the one that Austin had it on when I, when we first like started this up, he died immediately. Like it took like one or two hits cuz he had put it on a higher difficulty setting and it was it was ridiculous. And then he just happened to walk near this giant burning sword in the ground and got a buff called warmth. And that let you walk across the 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 ice spikes to be able to get to whatever's on the other side. And this is a consistent mechanic throughout the level. But nowhere does it tell you what warmth does or how long it lasts or anything else. You just they assume that you get it off of this this podium, basically this pedestal uh, because you walk near the object and just figure it out. That is a particular gameplay design choice, and it doesn't work for this this particular game. But I think that's an example just because we don't want to like totally bash on this game for an entire episode but like that's a really good example of just what's throughout the whole game it's just little oversights like that where if there were one or two of them it's like whatever um but because the whole game is like that it just doesn't feel like it's been thought out all the way and like it's smooth to learn and play and all of that um that being said like it is fun when you have more people so i had one night where i got into a group of like higher level characters and 
I had fun for a couple dungeon runs, and that was where I really saw, like, this could be fun, but as soon as that group broke apart and then I tried to rejoin another group, the matchmaking was horrible. So it's, it's stuff like that, right? It's this whiplash of like, oh, I had fun for like a couple hours and then immediately followed by like 45 minutes of I can't matchmake with a group. And if I do matchmake with one, it's like I have the same character that they have and then it kicks me out right away or you yep. don't ever get into a group. Um, it's like it's just so back and forth with like, oh, I see the pieces and what it could be, but it's just not coming together. And I'm hopeful on this one because I bought the deluxe edition, which means it came with all the DLC, which isn't ready yet. And you can't redeem anything uh, with the codes that it came with yet. But I'm hoping that when the DLC comes out, the different stuff comes out, that they uh, will patch out some of these initial complaints. And the multiplayer, I hope, gets kind of a once over that they'll give a polishing pass for it because uh, Austin works at at Screen Rant. And so I hear uh, various things that they're talking about and that they hear. And uh, one of the things that happened with this one late in the development cycle that I didn't even know about until the game was delivered is that they swapped out the the couch co-op at the end of the development cycle for multiplayer and the multiplayer was kind was supposed to be coming later where you uh where it would have more polish it would have better matchmaking it would work so much smooth more smoothly and it was going to have couch co-op uh at launch and austin and i counted on that we kind of i didn't plan my vacation on it but we made plans for while i was down there to bring my ps5 controller sit and do it it got delivered and uh, we had found out he had found out just like a day or two before that they had pulled it and uh put in the sloppy multiplayer instead because that's what more people wanted and it seems like that kind of design decision w- is what is going to end up killing the game because it's not going to succeed because it feels sloppy. And I want it to succeed. Like, it's pretty. It has all of the pieces. Like you said, it could be such a wonderfully fun game to get with a group and go smash stuff, which is what the first game was. And the second one, too. I mean, the t- Dark Alliance games on PS2 were about couch co-op smashing things with your friends. And it was awesome. And I want to do that in this one and i can't yet even though it was promised at launch yeah i mean overall i think if there's a silver lining it's that like and the reason we want to cover it is like it is part of their like summer of D push that they're doing across multiple properties which is interesting mm-hmm. to watch as a whole um i'm really excited for like the magic the gathering piece of it which we'll probably talk about in a couple weeks once that comes out but like at the very least, this is a new chance to be in that like D&D Forgotten Realms setting in a video game. So if that's what you want and you've been craving and you haven't gotten it in years and years, that's kind of the silver lining here. You can get it, right? And this is the first time in a video game that the player is allowed to play as Drist, where you can play uh, play as him. His ultimate attack is uh, Guinevar, his, uh, his, his giant panther, and the party from the Icewind Dale books. It just happens that this is my least favorite setting in Faerun, where I don't like Icewind Dale nearly as much as most of the rest of it, because I don't like snowy uh, 
settings for the most part. Those are probably my least favorite outside of pirates, uh, pirate ships and open seas. But uh, so I'm at a disadvantage for the story, but they're altering the story of the novels enough. Like they're introducing uh, the first cinematic has a new dragon in it that they created for this and are really working on the story. So I'm hoping that as it becomes a little more polished through patches, that it's going to be the kind of game like Avengers was, where at the very least I'll play through it, see the story and have a good time. Because just the first few levels that I played, that's how I feel. It's just like, I like the game. Like, that's the thing. I like the the base gameplay for about 15 to 20 minutes. I just really want to make it where I can push through those in 15 to 20 minute increments instead of hour to hour and a half ones, uh, depending on what difficulty setting I'm on. Yeah. Yeah, I can see it. I mean, it's, it's like almost there, right? So I hope mm. that it does get the patches and like the support that you're hoping because this is a game where if they give it the right support, if they put some more dev time into it, it could become a good game. It's also a game where I could see them just kind of like stopping here, you know, like they put out content, but never really fix the core systems. And if that's true, this game is just going to kind of go away and never be heard from again. Yeah. And I mean, it is pretty, if you're on the fence about it, I don't know what to tell you. Um, because I'm, I'm both glad and sad that I picked it up. Like it's one of those where I've, I'm, I waffled on it, getting it released uh, initially when I first heard about it, but then I decided to, and now I'm like, should I have spent that money? Uh, like, there are other things that I would like better than this, but at the same time, I keep getting drawn back to playing it because I want to like it, and I like it just enough to to pull me in. So if you're that kind of gamer, then you might have some fun with this. And apparently uh, getting on with friends is fun. Like uh, for people I know who've gotten on with specific people to uh, to play with, it's gone really well for them. Yeah, and it's on Game Pass too, which is the other thing where like you don't have to pay money for it. I I didn't I, realize that. Yeah, I was dumb. I didn't look first and I grabbed it on PS5 because that's kind of my platform of choice at the moment. And then after I right. had bought it and then I was like checking out some other reviews after I played it and formed my own opinion, I noticed the people were mentioning it was on Game Pass and I should have just played it there for free because I already pay for Game Pass. So keep that in mind well. As that well. is... That is an absolutely rousing endorsement for me, then. If you have Game Pass, definitely give it a shot because it's pretty. Like, if nothing else, play it's smooth and it's pretty, and you hear how things in D&D are finally pronounced. Um, Like, that's one thing I found out. It's pronounced Dorgar instead of Dwergar for the kind of evil dwarves that live under there. And it's like, oh, I never would have thought that uh, based on the spelling. But it's like, that's the kind of thing I like about these kinds of games, too. So I'm super nerdy about stuff like that in terms of fandoms. And I wouldn't recommend it for graphics because I was playing a game that's like actually pretty, that's like amazing, that's like top tier graphics called Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, which I'm transitioning us now because I want to talk about this game. This game's amazing. I love this game. I platinumed this game. Um, Did you? It's fantastic. But where are you coming to the Ratchet and Clank series from before we get started? So I haven't played a Ratchet and Clank game since the very first one on, I think it was PS2 was the very first one. Um, And I saw the trailer for this one uh, at the very, very uh, beginning when they did that first PS5 announcement. And I thought it looked okay. And then the pre-release trailer they did, like I was just loading it up in the PS5 store and it was like, that looks fantastic. Like it looks so much, even they, they had... 
they had shown what the game was and then they shown what the game was in the most recent trailers and i went to the ps plus area downloaded the ps4 game uh that i'd never played the ratchet and clank game and uh we haven't played it yet but it looks like the kind of thing that uh, jennifer and i would have fun playing so we uh intend to do that i figure i'll play it before even you know spending the money on ratchet and clank rift apart uh just to make sure it's the kind of game like uh, i would want to invest a bunch of time in because it seems like the kind of game that I would want to invest a bunch of time in if I invested any. Sure. I mean, that makes sense. So if you guys have never played Ratchet and Clank before, it's a third person like action platformer and a third person shooter rolled into one. Um, I was coming to this game having only played about 10 minutes of Ratchet and Clank ever in my life. So I'm not okay. invested in this series at all. Um, I didn't know like much about it or what to expect. I had just seen some trailers and it's a PS5 exclusive and there's not a whole lot of PS5 exclusives and it kind of looked like it might be up my alley and at the very least I figured I would get to see some more first party things that they're doing with the PS5 and that would be interesting. Yeah. So I went in hoping that it would be kind of like um, another PS5 showcase kind of like um, you know Astro's Playroom but brought up to another yeah. level and then showing off the graphics and it is those things what i didn't expect was to find a game that i absolutely loved so i wouldn't be surprised if this makes my top five games of the year um i beat the game and then i started a new game plus and then i platinumed it like i had so much fun with this game and holy cow yeah it does look amazing that's a part of it that's cool but like really the piece that sucked me in was the core gameplay and there's a there's like an action platform former element which is decent it's solid it's not like the best platforming that i've ever seen because it's 3d platforming it's just i don't know it's it's not mario right there's few things in life that are mario except for mario but the shooter components on top of that really just make the game like the weapon variety in this game is insane there's like an intro like pea shooter kind of like one-off pistol thing as soon as you get away from that everything else just feels so unique that it's so fun to mess around with so the game for me it was never like that the enemies were challenging or that the levels were hard the fun i was having was leveling up all these weapons and unlocking new abilities with the weapons until i maxed out a weapon and then i would never use it again and i would use the other ones because i wanted to level those up and see what they had to offer and so you run into things like you don't get a shotgun in this game you get a pixelator which is Hmm. super short range it has a wide blast area it functions where like in you know a kind of running gun normal shooter you would have a shotgun in that slot but this one is like you have to get close and you blast them with pixels and then they turn into like a 2d sprite of themselves and (laughs) it does damage to them um so that's like a pixelator there's a doom glove where you can just like shoot minions out of your hand that land on the ground and it becomes like a minion summoning game there's this mr fungus who you can like summon and he'll like annoy people and make fun of them and he can like tank guys for you um wow My favorite weapon in the game is called the topiary sprinkler. So you throw it out and it's a sprinkler on the ground that like hits people with water. But if it hits them with the water, they turn into a topiary. So they are a bush. (laughs) So it acts as like stunning them and freezing them in place. But you can still do damage to them. And, you know, there's stuff in here. There's like rocket launchers. There's um, there's a weapon where (laughs) there's a really fun one that you get near the end of the game where like you shoot it and it just like creates a rift in time and space and a random object just falls down on whatever you were aiming at um Hmm. like that's where the fun is right and then as you get more like when you defeat enemies with these weapons the weapons level up and then you can invest points in them to unlock new abilities 
within the weapons and like make them better and handle differently too. Hmm, that sounds really, really interesting. I don't know if I would get into that kind of stuff as much as you do, like just leveling up the individual ones, but I could totally see trying all of them and then just switching back and forth between levels being really cool. Yeah, and there's like 15 or 20 weapons, and they all are like that. They're all kind of crazy, weird, and unique at the same time. Um, it's super, super interesting. So that was the core of the gameplay for me was like, yeah, I'm platforming. Yeah, I'm kind of pushing the story along. And I like that. And, you know, the story's decent. The platforming's decent. The graphics are amazing. But it was like the fun of the moment to moment of just like being in that third person shooter and messing around with all of the options that the weapons gave me. That's what I ended up loving. And, um, you know, it is a solid everything else, but like that weapon variety, that's really where it shines. And on top of that, it shows off the PS5 graphics. It shows off the load capabilities, you know, loading entire new levels mm -hmm. or an alternate version of a level as you jump in and out of these rifts um, in, you know, kind of dimensional space, essentially. Um, the other thing here... I'm assuming there's no load times between them. No. Like I'm assuming that, that it is very seamless in that. Yeah, there's no load time in this game. I mean, outside of the boot up scream, you know, which is that's yeah. more about showing company logos and less about actual load time. Once you're in the game, it like it doesn't ever load once. It just plays, which is fantastic. Really um, awesome. And then one of the other things that I really noticed was like the set pieces in this game are insane. I've never seen set pieces in a game like this before you know sometimes you'll get into a game and it's like you can tell that this one huge set piece at the end of the game took up tons and tons of unique development resources and it's like they had to do so much work to even make it happen on the system because it pushes the system to its limits yeah um but it's like the thing that stands out in your mind as a set piece right right imagine that on every single level that's what this game is like it's set piece after set piece after set piece, and every one of them feels like if this were on an older generation, it would have had to be a cutscene because it's so oh, wow. it's so amazing, right? Um, just having like I don't even want to spoil them because it's such a fun part of the game. But there's one where I'll, I'll spoil one just as an example. There's a giant robot that you have to revive. He's like a fixer, right? And so okay. you're trying to revive him. And when he wakes up, he's mad. And so he's destroying lots of things. So you end up like grinding down these railings while this guy is destroying the entire environment around you and chasing you. And you're like grinding up and down like around him and near him. And it's the whole level's exploding. Everything is dynamically changing. It feels like the epic conclusion boss battle of the game where all of these dev resources have been putting but right. that's just like one level in the middle of the game. Like every planet has something like that. That sounds really cool. It like, is really cool. Like you are making me want to play this. Uh, it's one of those where uh, where I'm hesitant to get a digital version of it. Like a lot of times when you get me to wanting to play a game like this, it uh, is where I go and buy the digital version uh, right now. And uh, I, there's a good chance I'll play the other one tonight and then maybe order the physical version of, uh, of this one at some point soon. Yeah, and unfortunately, because I haven't played any of the other ones in the series, I don't know how to compare it to what you're about to play right. or what other people have played. I just know that I really like this specific 
Gothic one, Rift Apart. Um, and it has new stuff in it too that's PS5 exclusive, right? Outside of the graphics and yeah. the polish. And um, it has like this alt fire half press, which when I read about that in reviews, I was very nervous about. Um, I didn't think I was going to like two different firing modes on the same trigger, one of which is like you press it down halfway and the other one is you mm-hmm. press it down all the way. But after having played it on PS5, it totally works. Like it works in a way that I was surprised how quickly I picked it up and adjusted to it because the controller just gives you the exact right amount of resistance to let you know where that halfway point is. So it always feels like you know if you're squeezing it correctly or not. Um, So it never bothered me. Like not once did I have an issue with that like weird, on paper, it's a weird like half press, but in actually playing, it just works. That was one of the things I was going to ask if it uh, given that it was such a showcase for what the PlayStation 5 can do if it ever did anything with the controller like Astro's Playground did to really lead like lead you along with what it can do. Yeah, the two main things are that and then the vibration. Like the the haptic mm. feedback vibration is kind of similar to what they did in Astro's Playroom but kind of like incorporated more into the game so it fades into the background. It's not so in your face, but it definitely yeah. is there and they use it well. And it's just kind of like the moment to moment of this game, I absolutely loved it. Obviously, I loved it enough to go platinum the game. But it's like between this and the Spider-Man for PS4 and Miles Morales for PS5, I think that this might be one of my favorite developers at the moment. Like, I didn't put together until I was almost done with this game that this is the same developer as Spider-Man um, Insomniac Games. And they're just killing it for PlayStation. Like, whatever they make next, whatever it is, I will play it because I have to see what else they're doing. I didn't even realize that it was Insomniac who made this. Like, it, I never tied it together that uh, this was made by Spider-Man folks. Yeah, it absolutely was. I mean, it's I'm sure it's a different dev team because they haven't had enough time. To, uh, you know, it's probably right. parallel yeah, yeah. devs, but it's the same developer. It's the same, you know, um, dev team or dev group that's making it. And that means a lot in terms of, of this, because Spider-Man and Miles Morales are some of the best games that have come out in years. Yeah. So I was super excited about that one. I had to talk about it. Um, we do have some weekly geekery, but before that, don't forget, we are part of a network. We have podcasts, we have streamers, we have the geekery blog, all that and more at geek2geekmedia.com or go to geek2geekmedia.com slash subscribe to get it sent right to you. And we have digital magazine. What is the latest with that? Um, on Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash geek to geekcast and uh, pick up geek to geek magazine. Uh, this month, uh, as you'll be listening to this uh, tomorrow, well, maybe in July of 2021, uh, we are doing a JRPG July issue where uh, everything is going to be talking about different uh, JRPGs and experiences and stuff tying in that way. So it'll be really, really fun. Uh, you can get that and our back issues at patreon.com slash geek to geek cast that brings us to our weekly geekery where we share what we've been geeking out about this week what have you been up to this week um well i want to start by giving a a preview of what next week's episode is going to be um i was contacted by a company called ewin racing uh they make chairs and desks uh for gamers and uh they sent me a desk which is really really awesome and uh i was texting you about it earlier and it was one of those things that really hit serendipitously where i needed a new desk and was already looking for things and it like my target desk i've had is actually 
falling apart. Like it's wobbly and I've been afraid it would actually just crash one day. Uh, so I've been looking for desks. I get an email from, uh, from Ewen and talking with them about it. And they sent me, uh, one of their RGB desks and I had no idea what this was. And I've set it up and been working on it for a couple of weeks and I'm kind of in love with it. Um, it's the most solid desk I've ever had, like in my home office, like outside of like giant mahogany, like work desk, things like that. Um, it's really, really cool with the carbon fiber top where it doesn't like get greasy from like sitting there with your, your palms on it, working on a laptop and the sides of it have uh, a lot of different, it's powered. So the sides of it have rotating uh, RGB lights up and down the sides and everything uh, where I sit here and actually watch that. It, it's really, really cool. And uh, so I, next week I'm going to be going through a full review of it and uh, it's going to be, it's going to be really cool because uh, I really am impressed. I didn't think I was going to get that impressed by a desk, but honestly it's made my life life a lot easier and better uh, having this much extra space to work on so i'm crazy excited about that sweet that's awesome uh then my wife has been playing stardew valley um i know that you loved it and i've never been able to get into it and uh, she was playing monument valley for a while and was just looking up other relaxing games and stardew valley was on the list so i installed it on the switch for her and just told her it was there she wanted to try it and she's been playing it for weeks now and is really 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 into it but every time like i ask her something about it she's like i don't know why i like it but I keep on playing it and it's really fun because she just got married in the game. She married Leah. Um, and it was just fun watching her play this game. Like I'm, I started playing it, but, uh, ended up moving to a different game, uh, called Littlewood, which is the same kind of, uh, life sim, but it's, it's really cool how much she's enjoying this. And I'm finally getting to see all of the things that Stardew Valley offers without, uh, actually sitting down and doing it myself. Like she is loving this game. She's probably actually playing it right now as I record this. She I was when I came in here. It's such a good game. I mean, you know, it's in that Harvest Moon kind of vein that they don't really make anymore. And you can tell that Stardew Valley is a labor of love. But also, I guess um, I didn't we didn't have this comparison at the time. But now, since you're bringing it up again years later, um, I would say if anybody out there likes Animal Crossing and wants some of the same core loop of like having a home and like making progress and like, you know, this is more around you make crops, you water crops, but you have objectives. It's like yeah. if you like some of that core idea of Animal Crossing, the um, having townsfolk that you interact with, having kind of this alternate life where you can just kind of like relax into it, but you want more objectives and more things to work towards, Stardew Valley is such a good game for you because it kind of hits on all those same points and it has combat in it i remember that being one of the things you were telling me about before like she's really enjoyed going down into the mines and killing monsters and collecting artifacts and stuff and it's it's just really really a really 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 good game that i knew was a really good game and now i'm finally getting to see that really good game so i've been uh, geeking out as much as she has well not quite as much as she has uh but it is super relaxing to watch her play and she says that it really is relaxing just just to be able to calm down, plant some stuff, buy some cows. Um, and her her farm is the best ever. I really do have to brag on this, where it is her character's name is Buttface. Uh, she lives on Butt Farm. 
Uh, her favorite thing is butts. Uh, her dog is named Butt Dog. Uh, every time she buys an animal, it was butt chicken, butt cow, butt duck, butt goat. Um, and then the other ones are like butt chicky, butt quack, and butt moo. Uh, I'm really, really proud of her for sticking. Like, I really think it's awesome that she just like she picked a theme and she ran with it. Okay, great. I'm glad too. <laughs> like it, 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 it's been so funny. Um, she's like, I got a cow. Do you guess what I named it? Butt cow. It's like it's just awesome. And uh, so, since I didn't want to play the exact same game she was playing while I saw stuff from from her doing it, which I, we may end up playing multiplayer uh, eventually. Um, but actually, uh, Lindsay was telling me about Littlewood uh, before. And did you ever try this one? No, I heard some talk about it, but I haven't played it. I started this last night and uh, it was it was only 15 bucks. So I grabbed it and it is really good. Uh, I don't know. It is not. It is not a Stardew Valley competitor. It is a Stardew Valley alternative uh, in that this game is not as deep or as 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 high quality as stardew valley but it is stupidly fun because it takes place after the hero has beaten the big bad wizard the dark wizard and you're having to rebuild the world and so you are rebuilding this town and it is incredibly simple graphics incredibly simple gameplay but from the very beginning you can do like uh, the animal crossing terraforming where you can move stuff around and destroy land and make water and build mountains and hills and stuff on the on the the game and then you can open up new areas uh like an endless forest and uh like the mines and different cities and stuff as you build up uh, your town and have more people coming in it's just a lot of fun and this one is much simpler like i said than uh, stardew valley so with me being able to watch her play it Playing Littlewood uh, is definitely uh, something that uh, I would recommend to somebody. It's really, really good to get just that uh, that kick of life sim dopamine. Uh, I heard this one compared a lot to uh, Fantasy Life on uh, the 3DS if people ever played it and liked it. Sweet. No, I'm glad that you found something too, especially as an alternative, yeah. like just experience other ones that are adjacent, but not exactly the same. Yeah, this one is it's super not... A Harvest Moon game, but it is absolutely one of those just like community building games. And the the characters are quirky and things like that, where they'll say some funny things. And it's just been a whole lot of fun. I don't think I would invest, you know, hundreds of hours in this one like you probably do Stardew Valley. But I would I'm totally planning on uh, playing this one through and seeing where it goes. Like I unlocked the museum just a little while ago before we started recording and I can now donate things to it just like I do in blathers with uh, animal crossing. Cool. Yeah. I, so, yeah, I, it's been I fun. didn't even think about, I'm glad you brought this up because I hadn't thought about how stardew Valley and animal crossing kind of scratched the same itch. And now I'm thinking about uh -huh. people in my life that I'm like, Ooh, maybe I should recommend stardew Valley. I mean, it hasn't been top of mind because I put 40, 60 hours into it, something like that years ago when it came out and I haven't really yeah. touched it since then. But like, I'm like, I should, I should tell my mom to go look at stardew Valley because she might really like it. Um, yeah, 
It's got me thinking. But for me, this and week, since you've played it, since yeah. you've played it, they've also introduced multiplayer, which is a big thing for a lot of people. And then there are also different types of farms that you can get uh, with different layouts. They're all in the same location in Stardew Valley, but you can do it where like you have a river, uh, river farm or a beach farm where all of it's sand and you get stuff washing up on the shore. You have oceans around you, a wilderness farm where you get monsters at night, uh, stuff like that, where it completely changes your habits as you play. So so they've added a bunch in if you want to do multiple playthroughs and have a not exactly same farm experience. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, I got to so go I think look you might it. even have fun with that. Yeah. I, I mean, I loved it when it first came out. Um, what for me this week, I, I want to put kind of a bow on a couple of things that I talked about earlier in the year um, when you were out. And then I think we touched on them a mm-hmm. little bit right when you were coming back. But Monster Hunter Rise at this point, I'm probably like 60 to 70 hours into that game and I'm still playing it a little bit here and there. Um, I'm also still unlocking cutscenes, a new story because they added more updates since the game first wow. came out. It added a bunch of new monsters. They unlocked, they like uncapped the hunter rank. So your hunter rank can just keep going up and up now. Um, I'm still having a lot of fun playing with my daughter in co-op, but both of us are kind of like winding down on the game. We haven't like put it away forever. It's not like checked off the list and I'm never going back to it, but I definitely just feel my time with it kind of like ebbing, you know, because we're yeah. moving on to other games. Um, but I'm enjoying doing the, the monster hunts just to do the hunts and to just like check things off the list. Like I don't even feel like I really need to get that much more gear or there's nothing like specific that I'm driving for other than, yeah, I could use some more hunts. It's fun. Like the moment to moment gameplay right. is what makes that game, you know? Um, so that's the main thing. I probably won't talk about Monster Hunter Rise again until the end of the year, but just know that I'm kind of picking away at it. You know, maybe once a week I'll play a hunt or two just because I really enjoy it. Now, are you playing it on Switch or on PS5? It's only on Switch. Oh, is it only on Switch? Well, yeah. I'll be dog. I didn't even realize it was exclusive. Um, It's Switch exclusive for a while, and then they said it'll come to PC eventually. But as of right now, ah. it's still Switch exclusive. I gotcha. Yeah. Um, and then ESO is the other one I kind of wanted to button up here. Um, oh, I cool. finally went back and I beat the main campaign, which I had never done. I had beat some of their like expansion campaigns. I think they call them. It's not actually like DLC or chapters. It's like or it's chapters. It's like chapters. It's not um, expansion packs. Yeah. But I, I beat some of those in the past. So I finally went back and I finished like the main story. Um, and then the next kind of like goal, if I was to continue, would be to get to the armor cap, the champion point cap of having like mm-hmm. CP uh, 160. And I don't know. I was picking away at that for a while. I don't, I, I'm close to it, but I don't know if I'm going to get all the way there. Um, so it's it's interesting and it's fun it's a good game to be able to like go back to and dip your toes into um when you're in the mood for uh, an online elder scrolls right because that's essentially what it is um but for now i'm kind of putting it down unless i decide to go back and play this latest expansion that just came out which i might do that later in the year but i had a lot of fun with it in the first half of the year so i wanted to just like bring it up again before i kind of like put it to rest for a while yeah, I saw the trailer for the newest expansion. Well, I guess it's the cinematic trailer for the newest expansion, and it looks friggin' awesome. So it almost got me to go back to ESO uh, because I haven't played through nearly as much as you have, but I have have it on PS4 where I just occasionally uh, pick away at things. Yeah, cool. Um, and then the also Invincible. Have you watched Invincible mm. yet? I haven't yet. It's, okay. Uh, 
It's one where I don't want spoilers on it. I may have had a few things spoiled, but I don't know. But I am, uh, but I'm, when I'm in the mood for a very serious adult superhero story, I am ready to dive right in. And that's what it is. Like, it's, I like this one a lot, and I like it a lot more than I would expect. Um, I watched the whole first season, and I'm like, yep, I'm ready for season two. And, it's interesting, especially comparing this to the other Amazon original, which is The Boys, right? Because mm-hmm. both of them are adult. Both of them are very violent. But I think you and I talked about it when we talked about The Boys and how it's just like it's gratuitous over the top violence. And it's it's one of those where they're streaming. So they just lean all the way into it because they're like, oh, we can be like super edgy by being extremely violent. Yeah. Um, And that never that doesn't rub me the right way, right? Like if you're using violence and adult themes to tell an adult story and like they're in service to the story, I can be there for that. Um, And that's not what the boys was doing, but that's what invincible does. Like it uses adult themes to tell an adult story. And there are moments of violence and even hyper violence, but it's not every episode. And it's always with some kind of purpose in mind in the greater overall storytelling. Um, It's never just violent to be violent or there's, there's not like sex just to have sex, but there are mentions of like, um, sex a little bit here and there you know but it's all in the service to the story and that's what really got me right i was hooked on this because of the story by the end of episode one and that's even despite the fact that this whole first season is essentially just an extended like super extended origin story for the main character and you know how i feel about origin stories for superheroes right yep you uh you don't really don't really care for them no exactly and so the fact that even though this is an extended like origin story, I still loved it. That says a lot about the season for me. And like I said, I'm just ready for season two. Like I liked Invincible a lot. Are you, do you like it enough to go read all of the comic? Because it is completely finished. Uh, there is a beginning, middle and end to Invincible uh, that I know Eric was talking about on uh, the geek to geek blog. Well, at least in the discord uh, talking about how fantastic it is. Mm, probably not because I like the show. Like I, I want to experience it as the show. Um, if the show had gotten canceled or if there wasn't a season two coming, I would probably be tempted to go grab the comics. But I think knowing that it's already renewed for a second season and there's a lot of people that want to watch it, like I would rather just watch it as the show comes out. Mm, okay, I can see it. I can yeah. see it either way where if you really got into the story and be like, OK, I'm just going to just going to read everything. One another thing that I watched in the last week or so was In the Heights, which is Lin-Manuel Miranda's first or maybe not first, but it was his major Broadway musical before Hamilton. Mm -hmm. And they took that and then they turned it into just like a full feature length movie instead of a Broadway show. And it's good. It's good. (laughs) Like it's it's good, but it's not amazing it's not fantastic it doesn't ever reach the heights of uh, oddly enough you know it doesn't reach the heights of hamilton Eh. um and you can tell that like it feels like lin-manuel miranda's writing but he was still cutting his teeth like you can tell that he's just earlier in his career um that being said there's a bunch of songs in there that i really like and i did enjoy the story it's just one that like I watched once and I was really glad that i watched it once i don't know if i'll ever watch that movie again beginning to end like I'll probably dive in and I already have a couple times to be like, Oh, I want to see that one song sequence again. But Hamilton as like a production. I've listened to that soundtrack so many times and I've watched the whole performance on Disney plus. I don't even know how many times now. Um, 
and I just don't think I'm going to do that for In the Heights. So, and I, I, I haven't seen In the Heights yet. So, okay. I'm excited to sit down and watch it. Uh, it came out. We were planning on doing some stuff in. We were actually planning on having a backyard In the Heights party uh, for the night that it came out, or like the Saturday after it came out, and then it rained un controllably for weeks uh, here where we could never decide, like we could never pick a time because it was just too crazy uh, for the weather. And so we haven't even sat down and watched it yet. So it's one of those where maybe this weekend we'll be able to get to it. Yeah. And I think where I landed was if anybody is a fan of Hamilton in any way, shape or form of that performance, um, In the Heights is a very easy recommendation to go watch it once and you will at least enjoy it one time. Um, I think that's kind of overall how I felt about it. Yeah. And I mean, I haven't even listened to the soundtrack book for this one, like the original uh, soundtrack that's on Spotify and stuff, because I knew that this movie was coming out. And unlike Hamilton, I wanted to go into this one fresh. Uh, Hamilton was just too good and too much of that, uh, that kind of zeitgeist thing, not to uh, fall into and listen to nothing else for but that for a year, but this one I'm making myself completely wait until until the uh, the movie. Yeah, um, so that was fun. And then I've been playing a little bit of Mario Golf, and I think I'm already maybe done with it. It's one of those Mario sports yeah. games where like you you get the gist of it really quick, and then it's like it's so easy to bounce off of them if they're not doing something totally. I don't know, but you know, it's sports games. They don't, they don't hook me very often, but I usually try them if they're trying something new or arcadey and Mario golf definitely is. So the normal golf is fine. It's golf, but they have speed golf, which is really cool where you like hit the ball and then you have to like, you pick up the clubs and you have to actually run to the ball as your character Hmm. and you have a stamina meter and you have like super dashes and it leans into some of that kind of like Mario Kart ish type of things you know with like superpowers to run to the ball yeah um so that's kind of fun and then the other thing that they added was battle golf which is if you take it kind of reminds me of the feeling of playing a mario kart battle level when they used to make Mm. those instead of just a race course you know yeah where you have a but it's golf so you have a bunch of holes and you're just trying to like competitively try to be the first one to sink like a hole and get more of them than your opponents so once you've like gotten the ball into a hole somebody else can't claim that one anymore so it's a competition to like sink the most putts or not putts but like you actually have to do a full round of golf to like get to a hole but it's a much smaller arena and there's a bunch of holes in it um so that one's interesting it's very interesting and then there's also a whole rpg story mode which i mentioned because i know some people just absolutely love that in sports games i do sometimes but i think the reason that i bounced off of this one for mario is because golf story is such an amazing game and this one doesn't come close to it like really like story wise or gameplay wise gameplay wise like the gameplay of golf story is like one of my favorite indie games i think that was probably ever made like it's so well done and so to see nintendo take a swing at it and it doesn't quite land as good as that one did um i don't know but it's there right so if you're a golf fan if you like mario sports games this one is definitely worth taking a look at that that sounds good like it's one that i've seen talked about as being a little shorter and and that there's a little less to it than like Mario tennis aces and things like that. But it's, it's really good for what it is. And I love golf games. Uh, 
which is super weird because I've never played actual golf, but I love golf video games. And the RPG story mode is actually what got me to uh, to be really interested in this. And so I am looking forward to picking this one up. I actually didn't realize until last week uh, that it was even nearing its release date. I thought it was uh, July or August. Like, I'm so out of touch with release dates right now. Yeah, I would love to know what you think of this one and if you end up liking it. I mean, I I haven't ever played a Mario a Mario sports game that I didn't like. So it's just whether or not I've stuck with them long term just depends on which one it is. But I've always liked them. So I assume that I'm going to like this one, too. OK, fair. Um, that makes sense. Um, and then the last thing, I have a lot of geekery this week because we had extra weeks off there in the middle because life happened. But um, Bo Burnham, his new special, which have you ever watched Bo Burnham stuff? No, but okay. I, I, I've only ever seen like snippets and clips and individual jokes of his. Um, but Austin and Grace, when we were down visiting last week, uh, they were telling us about this particular this particular special. And it seems brilliant. It like, is. So it the thing about Bo Burnham is if you only ever have seen clips of his, you might think that he's just dumb and annoying because right. his humor is like he's so smart and he's so intelligent and he uses satire so well and he does it through this like veneer of coming when he presents it it's like straight faced right he just presents it as if it's true and like it's sarcasm like it's all sarcasm and it's all buried and you have to know that he's super smart and he's Uh, entirely self-aware of what he's doing when he's doing it and when i like so my wife really liked him as a comedian and the first time i sat down and tried to watch a special of his i got like 15 minutes in and i was like are you you really like i had to turn to her and be like you think that i would like this like this is not (laughs) like why why this is dumb this is horrible and she's like no, he's extremely smart and all of this is an act and you'll get it. Just watch a little more. And by the end of the first special of his I watched, I was like, oh, he's probably one of the best comedians of our era. And I still believe that, especially because of this latest special. So um, his latest special is called Inside and he filmed it during COVID. He uh, wrote it, shot it and edited it all himself. Um, And it all takes place in his like guest home on his his house right he has like a separate guest home and the whole thing was shot in there over the course of like the last year and a half during the pandemic um it's such a as like a comedy and like a social commentary special it's amazing and he's brilliant but then also as just a look at like what all of us just went through and what it felt like to be inside and disconnected from people for a year and a half It's that too. And it touches on mental health and like it's so honest at points and it's so like cutting to the truth at points and that it'll jump onto jokes and it'll jump onto a comedy bit that's like a song um, that also then becomes social commentary again. And I just I think this is one of the best things that I've seen all year is this comedy special. And I've watched it like four times now because I just keep seeing more of the layers and like the more I watch it, the more I understand like how smart it is. So I just had to call it out because I absolutely loved it. 
Yeah, when when they were telling us about it, it was basically everything that you just said. Like, it, it's really interesting to have these same kinds of takes on this uh, uh, from two from like three different people, completely unrelated. Um, so it makes me really want to watch it. And Austin was actually telling me he was like, "You know that I'm really hard on things. You know that I don't say praise things a lot very often, but this is a masterpiece." He was like, everything about this is a masterpiece. And I'm just like, holy cow. Like if he he was saying that, like he really doesn't talk like that about things like this. And so it it really does make me want to watch it. I actually texted Jennifer a little bit ago saying that we should watch this tonight um, because I it's not that I forgot about it. It was one that got pushed out of my mind because of other things um, like Loki having to catch up on it, that kind of thing. Um, but this one seems so perfect. We love watching stand-up specials by good comedians, and I'm the same way as you. Like, I don't think I would like his humor, but given what you're saying and then what they've said as well, this is one I really want to give a good shot to. Uh, uh, give a good shot. Yeah, and I would tell anybody if you're going to watch Bo Burnham stuff in general, but especially this one, which is this is where you should start. Don't feel like you need to go to his backlog. Like, watch Inside because it's so relevant to the current times. Um, know that he is entirely self-aware like if you go into it and you know that he's very smart he's very clever and everything he's doing he's a hundred percent self-aware of what he's doing i think that will let you get him a lot faster like you can't take the surface level for what it is because there's so much more going on there um yeah i i love it there's no way that doesn't make my top five of the year in some way shape or form yeah, and you're not the you're not the first person to tell me like after watching a couple of his specials that uh, he's one of the best comedians right now, and that became their favorite favorite comedian because of it. Like it's, but it's been one of those where I'm like, yeah, a lot of people said that about Andrew Dice Clay too, and uh, look at look at him. It's like I'm I'm not up for a lot of dumb and vulgar humor. So, uh, but when there's a point to it, kind of like Invincible, that's when I can get involved. That's yeah. when I can really get invested. I mean, sweet. I would love to hear what you think. So text me if you end up watching it because I, I need your take. Yeah, for sure. Right. I will eventually watch it, whether it's tonight or not, because Jennifer and I have both been sick and kind of anxious and overwhelmed. And that might not be the best thing for us to get into tonight, but it'll be soon for sure. Well, we should let you go. We've covered lots tonight. There's <laughs> lots and lots going on. We were playing catch up um, with that. No, wait, that's the other outro. I need the actual outro. Should I leave all this in so that people know yes. that sometimes I mess 100%. up? 100%. Okay. Um, Absolutely. You can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. This is our real outro. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com <laughs> or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We also have great discussions on Slack and Discord. You can go to geek2geekmedia.com for invite links. And while you're there, make sure to check out all the other content on the network, like blogs, video game reviews, and our digital magazine on Patreon. Yeah, no, I don't have this memorized after hundreds of episodes. I do have to look nope. at it every time. I blog at angrymushroom.com. You can find me at GRN Mushroom. That's Green Mushroom without the E's on Twitter. I'm also on the Disney Forever podcast where we watch and react to a different Disney movie every week. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beach. That's Beach with two E's. And I also co-host the Dragon Quest FM podcast, a show about the Square Enix RPG series. We've been Void and Beach with your Geek to Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Bye, y'all. And yes, after 250 episodes, we still have to read it every time. Every time. Every time.
When toxic culture has you down. When you're just looking to laugh and have fun. Kick back and enjoy watching a video game. Or just make some new friends. It's time to visit the geek to geek Media Network. A community of podcasters, streamers, and bloggers. Well, more of a family than a community. All dedicated to geeking out about the things we love. Things like... Video games. Star Wars. Beep, 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 beep. Comics. Movies. K-pop. Disney Plus. Keanu. Keanu Reeves. New. Or whatever our community decides is the next best thing. That's right. We have a great online community on Slack and Discord where we chat about our weekly geekery with listeners and viewers. And each other. Yep. And each other in real time. And we can't wait for you to join us. So come check us out at geek2geekmedia.com. And escape toxic fandom for something much more... Keanu? Yes. Keanu. Keanu.